You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so is free and ensures you never miss another episode. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. On tonight's episode, I thought we would cover a playoff preview of sorts for the Jets and the rest of the North Division, as well as maybe one or two other matchups if we have some time. Let's first start off with the one that you care about the most, though, and that is Winnipeg versus Edmonton, which, yeah, um, I have some thoughts about. I think the biggest thing is that the Jets really shouldn't be that afraid of Edmonton, right? The Oilers, in many respects, are a one-line team. Actually, two lines, if we're being honest, but mostly the McDavid line. Whatever line that one is, if they have Dreisaitl with them, that's your dominant unit. Everyone else can be decent to okay, but is mostly irrelevant when McDavid exists, because in a lot of ways, the rest of Edmonton's lineup doesn't really create much at even strength. Oftentimes, I think what we've seen in these games against Winnipeg is that the Oilers are more interested in trying to dump the puck and essentially force the Jets into rapid counters and stuff rather than actually creating lots of really dangerous chances. Once the Jets tire out and make a mistake, then McDavid steps on the ice and takes advantage and capitalizes. It's why McDavid is basically figuring on well over half of their offense. Apparently, somebody said he's on the ice for about 68% of Edmonton's goals this year, which I, I don't even know the last player in NHL contemporary hockey eras that's done something like that. In the salary cap era, you just don't see somebody like McDavid or really any other skater sitting on the ice for almost 70% of a team's goals. It just does not happen. First off, most of them aren't even getting enough ice time to do anything like that. And secondly, most players really aren't capable of creating that much offense or tilting the ice in a manner that gives you a scoring rate like that. Now, I think the one thing that is important to consider is that, yes, the North Division does not really defend, and aside from Hellebuck, there aren't that many really top-end goaltenders. In fact, Jack Campbell might be one of the only other guys that I'd be concerned about, but in many respects, the North Division actually favors McDavid putting up video game numbers. That doesn't really make it any less impressive, though, because McDavid actually still has to be part of that offense and create it on the score sheet. In terms of actual point scoring, I think he has something like 58% of his team's goal contributions, which... I, again, it's just baffling. How does somebody do that? I mean, that's that's nearly impossible. This is the kind of stuff that probably would have been possible in like the 80s or, or something like that. In an earlier era of hockey, maybe when some of these superstars were shooting against players who weren't quite as defensively attuned. All this is to say, though, that when you see McDavid scoring as much as he does, when he's off the ice, that actually gives the Jets a lot of opportunities. You see Edmonton's roster, and oftentimes it looks to me like half of the Bakersfield Condors. This is not an NHL-caliber squad in lines 3 and 4. The second line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and whoever else they put up there, that line is fine. But honestly, the Jets can actually win against that line too, provided it doesn't really have, you know, dry sidle or something on it. Other than that, though, I, I look at Edmonton's lines and none of them really scare me. And I think that that's what's sort of baffling to me about the Jets. The biggest problem for Winnipeg is that psychologically speaking, they have played a very tactically 
passive game against the Oilers. And it's not just against McDavid that they do this. They do it against almost all of Edmonton's lines. And it's not until late in the game when the Jets are trailing that oftentimes the Jets up the pressure. What I don't understand is that the Jets have actually had plenty of evidence that when you essentially lean on the Oilers, they do start to cave. You can tell that defensively, Edmonton down low, especially in front of their own slot, basically only has one defensive pattern. And that's to basically throw all the bodies in the slot and hope the shot gets blocked. Other than that, their defensive acumen and marking and stuff, it's pretty weak. When you look at the amount of skill that Winnipeg has in distribution and shooting, it's sort of crazy to me that they don't take more advantage of this. If you know that Edmonton's going to sell out in the slot, then look for other shooting opportunities and create space in overlapping routes that start to break apart that defensive structure. Tippett is very much cognizant of the fact that Winnipeg is super stagnant at times in the way that it creates offense, and I think he's done a very good job of game planning against that. When he throws up the McDavid line, McDavid is basically going to run over whoever the Jets put out there. You only have to hope that he runs over your your defensive lines and stuff a little bit less than he does over the Shifley line. On the other lines, though, I really think the Jets can actually win their matchups pretty handily. In fact, the Jets have done decently in certain stretches against the Oilers. Uh, you know, as soon as they apply pressure, again, late in games oftentimes, the Jets can actually get to the Oilers pretty quickly. And Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen and Net, neither of those guys are really rock solid. On paper for the Jets, this is actually a pretty winnable series, but I think the biggest problem is, right now, history is not favoring the Jets. The way that they play, extremely passive, very scared, afraid to engage anyone, including McDavid and the rest of his teammates, it just suggests that the Jets aren't really ready to go toe-to-toe with this team in a seven-game series. If Winnipeg alters its strategy and actually starts to aggressively press up higher up the ice, especially against lines that don't have McDavid on it, I really think you'll notice a difference. The Oilers cannot defend, to be honest. They're actually pretty bad. And their goaltending, not great either. On numerous occasions, very soft shots were causing Mike Smith to go swimming in his crease, so it's not like he's a resolute rockin' net. This guy is very beatable, and so is the rest of Edmonton. McDavid is absolutely an X-factor and something that the Jets really can't contain no matter what they do, but that doesn't mean that they can't contain the rest of this team, and frankly, they should be able to beat the Oilers. That said, I still think Edmonton will win in five to six games. Unless Winnipeg can really turn things around and prove that they are the more aggressive, more ambitious team, then I'm just not really seeing how the Jets are going to pull this off. I think the biggest issue is Tippett has this team's number. And thus far, we haven't really seen Winnipeg adjusting in the way that they need to in order to get around the Oilers' block in both the neutral zone and in Edmonton's slot once they start selling out. The Jets can totally win this series, but I just don't really see a way that they do. Unless they rapidly turn things around over the next few days and start to to game plan something that's going to be a lot more effective against Edmonton, I don't know, I'm not really seeing a good plan here. Hopefully the Jets prove us all wrong and can silence the doubters, but thus far I'm not really seeing that team that's going to show us a really good time. Of course, the Jets aren't the only Northern Division team that's probably in a little bit over its head against its opponent. In just a moment, we'll peek at why the Montreal Canadiens are probably serious underdogs against this Toronto Maple Leafs team that's been the division leaders for some time. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you about the greatness that is the Locker Room app. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders, journalists, and just about everyone else in between, all in real time, about your favorite team or sport. It's the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you in Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, trade rumors, and all the big sports news you can handle. You can find tons of our Locked On hosts from across the network, including the NBA, MLB, and NHL. I'll be joining the app soon, so be sure to get started, and I'll meet you there. Go download the free Locker Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates.
and I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you all in the app, and I'll be sure to let you know once the Locked On Winnipeg Jets room is live. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Built Bars. If you've never heard of the best tasting protein bar on the market, here's why you should be paying attention. It's the best tasting protein bar because it tastes like a candy bar. It's coated in 100% chocolate and has a soft, chewy interior. They've got nine fantastic flavors to choose from, including coconut, cherry, raspberry, peanut butter brownie, and several more. But Built Bar often releases very special, limited edition flavors only on their website, so be sure to sign up for their newsletter and stay tuned on BuiltBar.com for all of the latest updates. If you can't decide on a flavor, be sure to check out the Mix Box, which gives you two bars of all nine original flavors, so you'll have double the odds to find your favorite flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most Built Bars clocking in between 130 and 180 calories. They usually have less than 5 grams of carbs and are chocked full of 17 to 19 grams of protein. Built Bars are as good for you as they taste, so don't hesitate to indulge. Go to BuiltBar.com to place your order, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about uh, playoff rounds as we enter the first round of the NHL postseason. Obviously, we just talked about Winnipeg versus Edmonton. Not expecting much from that series. Every time the Jets play the Oilers, it's basically been the McDavid show, and then Winnipeg does not pressure most of the other lines. It's not that they can't, it's just that they haven't done so in a way that I think they need to, and it's it's certainly something that if they turn it around and actually press the Oilers, especially the depth lines and, and maybe weaker defenders, the Jets probably have a shot, especially if Hellebuck is sharper than he's been in previous outings against Edmonton. This next North Division matchup, though, Toronto versus Montreal, is one that I think is actually going to be a lot more one-sided. To be honest, I think the biggest issue for Montreal in this series is that they are, are just not a great team right now. They've had a lot of issues. They're at times very disorganized. And while they can play very exciting, fun hockey, and they have some really good individually talented players, they're also still missing some of the guys like Gallagher and a few others that are very much important contributors. While they aren't exactly missing a superstar like, say, a John Tavares or an Austin Matthews or something, any important contributors that they do lose actually hurts them significantly because the way that they create offense isn't to really have like high-end elite goal scorers. There's a lot, like a lot of scoring by committee, and especially from some of their really underrated high-end players. So, you know, Montreal is kind of coming into the postseason limping along. They definitely don't have a great form. They're a lot like the Jets in that they haven't been able to really string together consistent results, but you could look at their, their health of their lineup and say that that's one of the biggest issues. Even when healthy, though, I just think Montreal is definitely up against it. Carey Price and or Jake Allen are both going to have to be perfect, although I would imagine that Ducharme probably goes with Price because he's the veteran. I don't know, though. Maybe Allen has done enough to prove he is the number one starter. Either way, Montreal has a lot of work to do. I'd be curious to know how they approach trying to handle a really deep, very talented, and very physical Maple Leaf squad. I think the biggest issue for Toronto is they have a lot of goaltending questions. Frederick Anderson is just coming back from injury, and his stint in the AHL with the Marlies wasn't exactly good. Actually, Cole Perfetti scored a beautiful goal on him, so, you know, you can tell that things haven't exactly gone according to plan. Now, in Freddie's defense, he hadn't been playing in a while, so he probably will be rusty, and the scrappiness and more disorganized play of the AHL might not exactly be a great fit for how Anderson likes to net mine, so... We'll see how he handles coming back to the uh, to the NHL. I'd have to imagine that he's probably the backup at first. 
if they're hitching their horses to Jack Campbell, which it, it seems like that's the choice they have to make, Campbell is going to be a very intriguing watch. There's a version of Jack that's basically unstoppable, someone who's as close to Connor Hellebuck as there is in the North Division. The problem for Campbell is that he isn't that version of himself all that often. It's more like he's a pretty good, decently above-average starter, and I don't know if that's going to be great enough if, if you know Toronto's defense starts to struggle against the Habs. I think in general, the Leafs have a stronger, more cohesive unit this year than they have in previous seasons, but by the same token, I also think Montreal might be able to bait them into a lot of mistakes. The Habs have an aggressive, energetic, and physical forecheck, which might cause Toronto a lot of problems. You know, the Maple Leafs did add quite a bit of grit and physicality to their lineup this season, but when you think about Montreal being the kind of matchup team that it is, it might be difficult to get around Montreal sort of baiting Toronto into the style of game that it wants to play. If it gets into like a grind fest, I think Toronto is going to be in real trouble because there's a good chance that Montreal can just sort of grind this, this Maple Leaf squad into dust. Aside from like a maybe style mismatch and, and perhaps some goaltending questions, I think the other question you know Toronto needs to answer is what exactly is wrong with their power play? It's been very stagnant and it doesn't really score all that often, despite having some of the best goal scorers in the entire NHL. From the bits I've seen, their power play tends to have some pretty decent puck movement, but they don't often get the puck down into really dangerous areas, and when they do, they don't really get the shot off, and when they're taking point shots, it's not really going into good deflection areas. It just seems like they're really overthinking when they should actually shoot, though. I think that's their biggest problem, and it's kind of strange because they have so many shooters that should easily score on just about every power play they get. I will say that despite the fact that Montreal is very much a, a significant underdog in this series, I am super interested in it because both of these teams seem to have a really nasty edge towards one another, and like Toronto has been you know, comfortably in first. They haven't really been pushed all that much. And now they're going to face a really scrappy, really edgy squad in Montreal that might be a bit of an upset contender. I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, Toronto in the postseason, not exactly a good mix. The Leafs are always cursed when it comes to the playoffs, and maybe this is another season in which they fall just short of their goal. It's not like getting out of the North Division is going to be the world's most difficult proposition, but it's what you do after that that becomes the problem. First, though, the Leafs are going to have to survive the Habs, and who knows what's going to happen. Maybe Toronto is in for a rude awakening against a very desperate, very energetic Montreal squad. Or maybe what we all expect to happen, and that's Montreal getting glassed, ends up coming true, and Toronto cruises comfortably to round two. We'll have to wait to find out until next week when the playoffs actually start for most of these teams. We'll take a look at one or two more playoff matchups before we close out tonight's episode. But before we go any further, I wanted to talk to you about long-term investing and starting an account with Wealthfront. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, going to the moon, what does any of it mean? What is day trading? Even if you know what some of these things are and you've dabbled in it, you might be looking to take the next step in starting your long-term wealth growth. That's why you should start a Wealthfront investment account today. Investing can be super complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trading, no picking stocks, no anxiously watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way, and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings. Again, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL and get started today. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than betonline.ag. 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, international soccer, and all the other amazing sports your brain can handle. Before the next pitch or face-off, log on to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and browse BetOnline's amazing selection of contests. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action as all of your favorite sports teams prepare for their deep playoff runs. Follow them on their path to glory and earn some great wins yourself. To get started, register for a free account at betonline.ag, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out with some thoughts on a playoff series that I'm personally very interested in, not because I live near D.C. and stuff, but because Caps-Bruins, there's something about this series that just feels kind of weird. Both teams have had very interesting seasons. They're both pretty good teams as far as I know, but I think the biggest issue is I just don't trust either of them. For one thing, they don't exactly have the world's most stable uh, carousel of goalies. I think both teams have had like three or four goalies on their roster at any one time. And certainly, it's, it's not like they have like a single designated starter that you would trust on every single game. So that in and of itself, an interesting situation. I think the other issue is that both teams for me are just kind of like, they're good, but they're maybe mediocre somehow, and you don't really know how to explain it. But one thing that is going to be a direct issue for the Caps is that their, their roster's going to have some interesting gaps. I, I think... You know, Evgeny Kuznetsov is still on the COVID list, and he also had some disciplinary action taken against him by Washington. We also had the same thing with Ilya Samsonov, but I'm not sure if Samsonov is actually back yet. Ovechkin has also been in and out of the lineup as of late because of some lingering injuries, none of which has exactly been disclosed, but in general, the, the Caps for me this year, a strange team. There's a lot that's very good about them in many respects. They have pretty good depth, you know, their, their bottom six is really strong, their top six has plenty of great goal scorers. But for me, it just feels like they have trouble maintaining a lead. It's definitely an issue, partly because of the goaltending, but partly because they seem to have really bad defensive lapses at like the worst times possible. And then you look at the Bruins, and on their on their end of things, they definitely have a pretty solid roster. You've got, you know, Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, all of these guys are still very productive. You've got a couple of additions like Taylor Hall. Hall's been ripping it up as of late. But the Bruins are also kind of on the older side, and without Tuka Rosk in net, I'm not exactly sure that they're going to go all that deep. So I look at these two teams as having a lot of very similar issues. They both have very strong rosters on paper, but there's just something about them that I feel very suspicious of. They somehow tick all of the right boxes without ticking some of the ones that I feel personally just a gut feeling are really important to this. And I frankly couldn't even tell you what those boxes are because, I don't know, it's just weird. It's one of those situations where there's a team that on paper and and certainly by the metrics, everything mostly checks out. You know, their expected goals are great. Their defense looks like it's handling things pretty well. But, I, you know, I think goaltending is always going to be one of the biggest questions for both of these teams. And it may be making both squads look considerably worse than either of them actually are. But by the same token, I've also seen a lot of times where the Caps are just kind of like really sloppy in possession. Or when they have a lead, they kind of sit back and maybe allow teams against them to start coming back and really mount a concerted effort. The good news for both the Bruins and the Caps is that they actually do have a pretty good ability to score themselves out of trouble. At first, the Bruins were really struggling to finish this year. Over the past several months, it really hasn't been as much of an issue. And the Caps, I mean, they've got Oshie, they've got Anthony Mantha now, Ovechkin when he's healthy and fit. 
And then they have some really underrated players like Dowd and a few others. Eller is also very good. Daniel Sprong's been finishing pretty frequently. That series feels like it'll go to seven games. And I have to say, if I had to choose one of those teams, I would probably lean the caps a bit. But it's going to be a super close coin flip series. I really don't think that there's a particular favorite here. And as far as storylines go, the caps have been one of the most chaotic teams this year. So I could easily see them having some really interesting issues as they go throughout this postseason run. Number one is going to be Tom Wilson and how he handles the postseason because we all know that Wilson has had a bit of a penchant for throwing some really nasty checks throughout the regular season and the playoffs. There was also a suggestion of Connor McMichael maybe at some point drawing into the Caps. I doubt he's going to play this season, but if he does, I'd be very interested to see how he does. He's a very talented prospect. He's been doing pretty well with the, uh, I believe, the Hershey Bears this year and was certainly somebody that I felt was an underrated prospect when he was drafted by the Caps a couple seasons ago. So very interesting ability for maybe a black ace to get onto this lineup and somehow make a playoff impact. But I I don't know if either of these teams are going to be able to survive a team like Pittsburgh or something once they get out of round one, because I would imagine that Pittsburgh will be advancing to round two pretty easily. The Islanders are a pretty good team, but I think they're way in over their head against this, this Penns roster. You know, Pittsburgh's just different gravy this year, so we'll find out for sure real soon because the Islanders themselves have been pretty cagey and pretty good, and if anyone knows how to beat Pittsburgh, it's Barry Trotz. Maybe we'll talk about that series in more detail on tomorrow's episode, but for now, that will do it for tonight's show. Before you log off, don't forget to listen to and subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!